We need a catchphrase. I've got a catchphrase. Okay, I'm all ears. What, are you going to drink in the middle of our intro? I'm not. I was what trying. What was to, that? That was me realizing how to do a spit take. Cause is you're that like a, be, cause you're is that a inter- fresco? It is uh, LaCroix. I'm LaCroix? A is it LaCroix? It's LaCroix. I'm French. I don't drink those. You should. They're delicious. I'm sure people love hearing you drink out of a can in the middle of our intro. It wasn't in the middle of the intro. It was <laughs> anticipation for your catchphrase, which is over 14 by now. And I'm just saying, could have been better. No, no. This is episode 31, I think. Fine. And, uh, well, then you're zero for 30. Yeah. Wait, I had one? <laughs> zero for what 30. What did you like? <laughs> no, zero for 30. If well, you this is good. episode 31. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't have I, a catchphrase in the first It's episode. not a math podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, you want to start? You want to start? I started. I said we need you... a catchphrase. I was waiting for you to tell me your catchphrase. And I took your drink. Because I expected that to do a spit take. Okay. It was going to be right. so bad. I was just spit it out. And be like, that was horrible. Okay. All right, fine. Uh, so uh, I have a catchphrase. It's really good. Are you ready? Is, 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 is the one from last week that you said was so, so good? No, no. I decided that one was bad. Okay. It probably was. Listen, thinking back on it, I was a little overconfident, I think. Okay. Yeah. That one was, we have a podcast. That was our catchphrase. That was my, what I came up with last week. Okay. And Some week? comic creators. We have a podcast. Okay. And this week? We continue our podcast. That's worse. No, it's tweaked. No, it's just bad. Now you see it's tweaked. It's better. Hold on one second. <laughs> that was lame. You just pretended to do a spit take. I don't want to spin my floor. I could clean that up later. Where's your commitment to this podcast? Fine. We continue to podcast. I think that's a great... Say our name. Say our name. Dumb comic creators. We continue the podcast. No. I, it's exactly if, what we're doing. If that's, if that's our catchphrase, <laughs> we don't continue the podcast because I quit. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't quit. Don't quit it at the beginning of the episode. I'll quit at the end. If that's okay, our- good. All right, good. So who are we? We are the dumb comic creators. Who are you, Keegan I'm Shiner. Keegan Shiner. Who am I? Eric Schwartz. And we are the dumb comic creators. We already said that part. Oh, my bad. Okay. I'm sorry. I was still going over my head over continuing to do a podcast so bad it maybe no 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 quit at the end okay because today we have a, a very special guest Mr. His name John, is John Wistenhoff John Westhoff oh I'm sorry I always get the name wrong that bit is still not funny and I don't mean to do it it's not on purpose uh, it doesn't matter I've been called worse <laughs> um, so John is a comic book writer and letterer uh and tell us a little bit about how you got into comic writing well first off thank you so much for having me and thank you for the uh, additional designation as a letterer no few people acknowledge me is that is my primary duty and probably the only reason people work with me is because uh i letter my own stuff so it's a good skill for it's insanely hard as somebody who's <laughs> tried it uh i know it's insanely hard to do so i think you should get credit 
for thank you for so doing much. it. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to learn some Photoshop from people about 10 years ago and just stuck with it and it's gotten better. But yeah, I got into writing um, just because I was on a comic forum, the 11 o'clock comics podcast, another rival podcast. I'm sure you guys fight in the streets every night. <laughs> um, they've been around oh, for forever. Bozos. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a great forum, you know, back in the day when message board forums were a lot more popular and I just met a great community of people on there posted one day, you know what, I want to try my hand at writing. I, I never really had aspirations to be a writer or anything, but kind of had a couple ideas that I wanted to, to see in comic form. And, and thankfully, longtime collaborator now, Bob Gar Ornelas, he responded, you know, I'm sure much to his chagrin now, and uh, we've been working together ever since. So it was, a, it was a, a storybook start and ending. Had you met him before you started working with him? Just through the forum, you know, uh, I didn't even know his real name. You know, we used forum handles then. Uh, okay. And, you know, just talking to him on different, you know, topics. And he kind of jumped in one day and said, hey, I guess you seem like you're not a psychopath. I'll, I'll work with you. Oh, cool. The bare he minimum of everything. You're not a psychopath. We're good. <laughs> and what what was your first comic? Is that uh, Apocalypse Man? That was. That was my okay. first comic. Not Bob had been doing his own comics for several years before then. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that was my first writing. The first page in that is the first thing I ever wrote. Wow. Cool. Um, so can you, just for our listeners, do you want to summarize or, or talk about it? Just kind of uh it's about you know like a guy who it seems like demons live in the world now it's kind of a hell on earth hell on earth thanks eric that's that's exactly the words that i was looking for yeah and exactly. too stupid exactly. to find <laughs> uh cool so where did how did you come up with this concept so i the first couple pages of that where you know it's just jim kind of walking through life and you know seeing some kind of odd things uh, yeah, pretty much this image here with him at the bus stop kind of popped in my head. It's, it was like, what if hell came to earth and life kind of went on? You still had to go to your crappy job. And that, yeah. that I think is exactly as I pitched it to Bob. I didn't have any of the script written or, or characters in my head. I just kind of had this image of this first scene. Um, and yeah, he, he, he picked that out. I don't even remember the other things I had pitched to him. And then I kind of, I was so excited. I, was, I think I was working in a, an emergency room that night. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was slow. So I just said, eh, let me type this on the computer and send it over to him. I wrote the first 10 pages in a couple hours and asked him what he thought. And we went back and forth. And this is what we came up with. So, Oh, cool. Cool. And I have no idea why. It, the, you'll see a theme here in some of my work. But the, the idea of, you know, hell. And I'm just kind of fascinated with that. And what if it was real? And again, like, I mean, as we've seen, you know, horrible things in the last year, you you get the sense that if the world did kind of come to a halt or had some major things happen, we would kind of still go to our jobs and hate them and take public yeah, transportation I, and all that. I don't know that any of us would be that surprised, right? That's kind uh, right? of like, you know, like, oh, it's just another day. I also think yep. half the world will be convinced, like, no, hell's not on Earth. What are you talking about? That's Thanks, true, too. <laughs> Thanks, Biden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can um, so had you done any uh, writing before that you started to? Um, you know, I had some friends in high school, you know, we, we were 
you know, big into like sketch comedy and stuff. So that was kind of what started my interest in it. And, and I appreciate you guys that have read some of my work. You, you can kind of get that theme still, you know, I, I do lean towards more of the humor side. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I started. Uh, but, you know, didn't really find that that was my, my niche. So when, you know, I, I've been reading comics since I was 11. And, uh, you know, in my mid 20s, you know, again, meeting some other cool people who, who had done some independent comics. I was like, you know, this seems like something cool I could do and, and, and get some stories out there, see what happens. Especially at the time this came out, you know, web comics had really just started and were big. So Apocalypse oh, yeah. Man did start as a web comic. Oh, uh, cool. Oh, cool. Did you have your own website or were you posting on the site? So I was fortunate enough, an, another person I met through the forum, he ran a, um, a now a website that's unfortunately not with us for um, like independent journalism called Osmosis Online. Okay. And I had no experience with posting and there wasn't a lot of the sites there is now like Webtoons and, and Tapas. So yeah. he was like, yeah, I'll post it on my site. And the first 38 pages or something he posted, um, you know, as we put them out, was able to kind of kind of have my own site to start. Wow, but he cool. did a lot of the work behind the scenes. So it was really nice. We just sent him the page and he posted it and he sent it out there. Oh, that's it, awesome. Is You said you did sketch improv. Is your writing style more like improv based or sketch based? And that do you have, you said you kind of had a concept, but did you like have an ending that you eventually wanted to get into mind? Or was it just, I have this beginning. I want to see where it goes. I think you kind of so, already touched on that a little bit. I, I am definitely, you know, they call it, a, what do they call it? By the seat of your pants writer more than, I'm trying to now, you know, 10 years in, get better at, you know, let's not keep the artist drawing 6,000 pages while you meander through these jokes that aren't that funny. So this one, <laughs> definitely, you you get the sense that by the middle of the story, I Bob and I realized that it, it, it was it was a cool little slice of life take, but it needed to have more to it. So then we kind of switched the theme and the second half was more targeted. It was more, okay, this is three or four parts to get to an ending to the story. And these characters so we can you know move on to something else oh cool so okay. i kind of do both i still kind of try to leave it open uh even you know our newest project um you know it's it has like a short and then we kind of see how do we feel about the characters and and that we've created in the short part and then let's grow it into something bigger i i'm just kind of that style of writer i like to see the art come back and see what we have and then kind of grow it from there oh great great and that, that project's called Child Possession Services, yeah, it which is, is cur currently on Kickstarter, which yep, will be a link, a link in, our, uh, in the description of the episode if you want to find it. Listeners, oh, click below, you'll find it. I also just flashed it on the, uh, the screen share, and somebody in chat has posted it. Is that you posting that? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Cool. So yeah, yeah. So I, I put that up. Um, Will you ever go back to Apocalypse Man? Not to spoil the ending, but it kind of leaves it open for the possibility of a sequel. Because I'm not going to spoil I mean, the ending, but there's a thing that happens that you see some people and you're like, <laughs> oh, something big could be happening. So obviously you said this is your first one 10 years ago. I don't know. Are you ever going to take up your pen for this one again? So we talked about that. Um, we actually had a longer story written and again, just um, being respectful of artist time. And, and this is a, something I very much co-created with Bob Gar, the artist. And we kind of just wanted to move on to other things. Uh, it, you know, as Keegan mentioned, our, our most recent 
project together is child possession services. And to be honest with you, we do envision it in the same world, uh, but we've kind of shifted to a different part of it at, at a different time. Um, okay. it, it may spoil a little bit if people read Apocalypse Man now. Um, we do see it as the same universe, but obviously uh, when people read Child Possession Services, you'll get that this is a little bit before hell comes to earth, so to speak. Oh, interesting. So it kind of leads in. Yeah. I, I saw similarities, but I didn't realize it was the same universe. That's the Westhoff universe, yeah. <laughs> West I, would, I would call it the, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I would call it the Ornelas verse because it really, he just, you know, I want to write where his strengths are. And I just think he has such a, you know, great yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. style and his monsters are really cool. And he has that, you know, just that clean line. So I, I, I kind of like writing in this kind of slice of life or weird, you know, comedy style for him. Cause I just think his, his art just fits it so well. We work, we work pretty well together. Yeah. I like how much space he gives the dialogue in your comics. Um, that's something I noticed right away is that there was a lot of dialogue, um, where sometimes you don't see as much in comics, you know, it depends on the comic, but people get obsessed with the, the action, you know? Um, but I, I liked, I think your bits work in these comics, which is cool and like funny. And, you know, it's like, it's fun sight gags in these uh, demon comics. And mm -hmm. uh, we, we're going to get to the chicken one, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the chicken one. <laughs> no thanks yeah no i i definitely um i try to use the comics medium but you know honestly again that was that was my first project and now 10 years later you know to do it again might do it a little differently um some of it was an experience as far as the i actually had to pull back on some of the dialogue because bob actually originally lettered it before i had you know gotten my feet under me and it he you know we had to cut because it was just too much um and that's oh, a lot of writers do that to start um yeah we, yeah. we want to, you know, dump the page and have the characters talking for eight panels with 27 balloons about all their life story. And you got to leave some of that, you know, for the reader to kind of get themselves. So. Oh, so that's a question. How, how do you write your scripts and what do they kind of look like? Do they look like screenplays or are they kind of just free flow? Um, it's definitely more like screenplays. Um, I, yeah. I try to ask the writer and honestly, 95% of the time, um, they want, they want panel for panel descriptions. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the common vernacular is, is Marvel style is kind of the open paragraph, you know, like, mm -hmm. even though, you know, I think Alan Moore is the one who kind of more perfected the, the long paragraph descriptions for an entire page, but, right. um, yeah, mine is definitely broken down panel for panel. And some of that is, you know, my style. I know the, the character has to be, you know, turning a certain way so they can do this facial expression when they turn back and look at the character. So. Oh, cool. Uh, but I asked the I asked most of my artists, how, you know, how do you want it broken down? Uh, from the little bit of comic writing that I saw when I first started, I, I feel like a lot of writers do work in that. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. It, it takes a lot for the, the artist to have to sit down and then try to figure out how you want the page paced and how to break it down. It's just easier just to do it. I definitely leave it open, though. I always tell my artists, change it. If, it, if you need an extra page or this panel doesn't work, um, we can always change anything, but I, I do try to break it down as much as I can. I just found this book at the library. It's called Words for Pictures, okay. and it, it has like, it's comic book scripts uh, from like a bunch of different, no, nope, it's not. This is the wrong one. Never mind. <laughs> no, um, I, I was so excited. I thought I found this book 
There's a book out there somebody put together with comic book scripts from different comic writers, and they're all in different formats. Like Kevin Smith's in there, uh, a bunch of different famous comic writers. And I was just going to... I'd be interested in seeing that. Bendis is a good one. Um, I honestly thought it was this one, but it's not. Because his, uh, I've read, you know, in the back of like trade paperbacks and stuff when he puts his script. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I think he's a good one to kind of gauge around because he, he definitely, uh, he puts a lot in his description, but it may not always make it to the page because he is a little bit verbose too, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll figure that out. This, you kind of talked about this briefly, but um, what advice would you give to new like to either your younger self as a comic book writer or to new comic book writers in general you kind of talked about how you said you had to take a step back that you have obviously changed how you write and just as you've grown so i mean the first piece of advice i would give is find a way to pay your artists or compensate them in some way uh, make sure you're clear up front if they're willing to work and and kind of co-own the creation then that's fine but find a way to compensate them for their time. It takes a long time to do the art. Uh, they put a lot into it. So that would be my first piece of advice. The, the second piece is, I'm, this is something people say a lot, but I do think it's true. And, and I've definitely, you know, 10 years into writing, found this out. Be realistic about the length of your project. You know, we talked about Apocalypse Man, how honest with you, it was 38 pages. And then I had written an entire 38 page script for the second issue. And then it, it had way more than it was going to do. There was all the kinds of things. And then just realizing, you know, how much time Bob was spending on it and, and you know, how we also wanted to do other things, which you guys mentioned, you know, the chicken comic and stuff like that. Um, just be realistic on the length of your project. If you're working with an artist who's full-time and who's willing to commit to it and, and, you know, knock out your, your 27 issue series. Great. But it's probably not going to happen. We all want to sit down and write, you know, our, our sweet tooth and our scalped and our long running series that are just going to be beloved by everybody. But, you know, when you're working with, you know, hence I picked the name of, of the company now as part-time comics. I, I work with a lot of people who, you know, this is not their full-time gig. We do this, you know, for our hobby, for enjoyment, you know, hopefully for a little extra cash on the side, but you know, we, they, they just don't have the time. You know, if I sit down and, and hand them a 24 page, uh, 24 issue series, you know, they, they're not going to finish it uh, realistically, uh, you know, until we're maybe we're seven years old. So, so be realistic on the length of your project. Uh, start, start small, uh, especially if you haven't written anything, uh, you know, write a short, write a 12 page story, write an eight page story, write, write one issue, a one shot and, and see how you feel about it and then go from there. That's good advice. Yeah. Good advice. Thank you. Especially when you're, uh, yeah, when you get into it and you like don't realize how your words fit on the page and suddenly that 20 page comic book script that you thought you had is 38 pages. <laughs> and that's exactly uh, what happened to me. <laughs> that's exactly probably what happens to all of us. That, <laughs> yeah. that happened to me too. So. And, and uh, sometimes you have to go through that, right? You have to experience, like I have yeah. some, some awful pages that, that I lettered early on that looked terrible, but I, I had to experience that to understand, Oh, I can't put 30, words in a single balloon and try and jam it in this panel and you, know, you have to you know be kind to your letterers and your artists and yourself so there's yeah. a lot of lessons sometimes we we even though people can tell us a hundred times over um you know these lessons sometimes we you do have to learn it and that's okay uh but there, the, there's it, actually it, an artist that i i gave the script to i gave the script to three artists 
And the one that told me, no, this is terrible, was the one I've, I've worked with the most. <laughs> wow. Because he was just like, there's no way to fit all these words on the page, you know. And that can be invaluable to work with people who are going to be honest with you. Yeah. You don't want them, you don't want them six pages in telling you then, uh, you know what, I don't think this is going to work. You know, you want them to tell you right away. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you, uh, so you started writing this comic and uh, are you collaborating or are you paying your artists or, um, how does that work? I would say I, I try to pay the artists or some, at least compensate them in some way, whether it's, you know, we crowdfunding, you get, you know, 50 copies of the book to sell on your own, or I just pay you a page rate. I try to compensate anybody who doesn't have co-ownership of the product. Okay. Uh, even if they're like, I'll work for free. I, I try not I try to do that as little as possible um, yeah. I, again I want to compensate them in some way um, you know again for their time if they're not going to get anything on the back end um, you know from it or or agree, you know agree with them straight up if I do sell these at conventions you know I, I'll give you 50 percent you know whatever I sell or online or whatever okay. so I do try to compensate okay. I've been fortunate enough again I've formed connections with a lot of my artists you know a lot of us are, are friends and talk and text pretty much every day so usually when we work together we, we know that we're kind of creating something together oh that's great yeah that's pretty cool um let's move on to bulletproof chicken was this your second project i i definitely had a few shorts before then um okay. i was fortunate enough again through that comic forum uh, 11 o'clock comics we put out some anthology series and did quite a few shorts for that and then this <laughs> once bob and i kind of got together um, for our first convention together, we went to Harold's Chicken Shack, which is a famous uh, chicken uh, <laughs> joint here in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we were joking about the bulletproof glass and the bulletproof chicken. And I said, that's <laughs> it. That's our next comic. So I came up with this first eight or 10 pages that Bob drew. And then we realized again, oh, you know, this isn't a one-off joke. We've got, we've got a, a little bit more here. So then we brought in Matt Nixon to finish the book. And then it became a sequel and there's a prequel in there and all kinds of stuff in the next issue. But yeah, this was, this was our, my first, you know, realized full length project in print. Um, so this so is Harold's chicken in Chicago. That's awesome. It's awesome. I live in Chicago. So it's, per it's really cool. And I <laughs> am from the, the suburbs, but I lived there for five years. Yep. Nice. Yeah, no, we were, we were, uh, couldn't find anywhere to eat around the convention center. And we ended up at Harold's chicken shack right there by McCormick place. And we, uh, you know, we were just joking and having a good time. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and that's how many of my projects start. It's kind of an, a one-off joke between friends. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'll show you. I'll make this into a script. So this, and, yeah. this started as a, is, is supposed to be a one shot, right? Yes. It's kind of, yeah. Okay. And it, it did very well. Uh, we had a very successful Kickstarter, you know, almost 300 backers did very well. And people were just <laughs> super excited. It's, you know, Bob's art is pretty easy and, and Matt, their designs are great, you know, in this uh, over-the-top action spoof that we made with, you know, <laughs> anthropomorphic chickens. So it was a pretty easy sell, uh, and, and we and we've enjoyed the success that we've had with it. Oh, it's hilarious, and such a like simple concept that's just executed really well, you know, um, and and just like the sight gags are good, and like she's got a like a metal claw leg for her amputee you know yep. <laughs> chicken leg that sh <laughs> that they were eating at the restaurant yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so funny 
No, there's some great stuff too. I mean, also there's the obviously the is the Robo Chicken reference at the very end. So yeah, great. yeah. Um, like, did you take inspiration from like other like you obviously took inspiration from Robo Chicken or Robo Cop? Any other inspirations you took for this one? Because I I don't want to say it's cliche, but there's a lot of like cop cliches, like the partner dies. The yeah. So you see you see Lethal Weapon. Yeah, you see Robo Cop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, in the sequel, we do, we do Rambo kickboxer. So it's definitely meant, meant to pay homage to those things. It, it, we're not hiding it in any way. Bob's awesome, amazing cover, which I wish I owned is, you know, a con- the Contra game series. So we, we definitely wanted it to be that, uh, just up front. Cause it's so, you know, it's so ridiculous that we were yeah. like, let's just sell out, not even make it in any way serious. Uh, but I, I thought at least I enjoyed that we, the you know the sight gags are there and and, and this you know the spoofs and all that but it, it is you know a pretty serious and violent story it it was meant to be um it was meant to be mostly splash pages it was meant to be a spoof of hard boiled by oh, frank okay. miller and jeff darrow okay uh, so it was meant to be let's plop this robocops parody right into you know basically make it our hard boiled but i like the story enough to where i kind of had to expand it like i said so oh that's great yeah, like the 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 weirder and car- more cartoonish the the look of it, the easier the violence is to digest and like just laugh at instead. You know, it's like it works really well in this book. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, that we had a lot of fun, and, and again, we did a a sequel that was actually a, a sequel and multiple prequels, and like we just kind of were like, now let's tell every story we want to tell with this character and get it out of our system. We did have another short that was a spoof of uh, True Detective, which was in a, um, which was in a, uh, a digital only anthology. Uh, I could send you that as well. That was kind of the end cap of the series. But we, we tried to do a trade paperback for this. And unfortunately, um, we were not successful. We, we tried to do a, a little overly ambitious, tried to do multiple uh, trade paperbacks at once for, for our, our company at the time. It was called Kingbone Press. And unfortunately, it wasn't successful. So the trade never saw print, but but I do have, you know, we still have the singles. And again, I love when people tell me they read it on Comixology or whatever. Oh, Got cool. A kick out of it. <laughs> cool. So you and I uh, figured figured out this interview on Discord. Um, and it, are there any other forums that you still use to, like, connect with comic people? Yeah, I, I'm in quite a few Facebook groups. Um, I, I mean, there's one Facebook group if you are an independent creator who's interested in, in a wealth of knowledge. Uh, Indie Comics Conspiracy, it's called. You know, search it. It is a private group, but, you know, you, okay. you can join. Um, and it's, 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 that's been great. That's been a, a definite uh, callback, like I said, to the days of the, you know, when forums were popular. Um, I, I am in a few Discord groups as well. Yeah, um, that, I think we met on Badass Writers and Creators. Yep. And then I appreciate also, your response there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. It was like uh, I'm not gonna say destiny because it's a little cheesy, but it was like destiny because, <laughs> which is, it was cheesy. I was on there like I I've never been on Discord. I'm looking for podcast guests, and John's on there like anyone got a podcast I could be on. It was like that that day. <laughs> it's like what's happening? That was so destiny. weird. Yeah, and the clouds opened up and light came down. Both you guys, and one in Boston, one in Chicago-ish area, and you're like, 
the giant yeah. robotic then, chicken in the sky came down and yeah yeah and you're like spot connected us all <laughs> uh no but that was cool so um these forums are definitely good resources for people making comics yeah you, um, you, you i've definitely been in a few where they've been uh little toxic or, or just kind of like <laughs> hey here's my kickstarter link but R russell who who you know runs that who's group been is, on our podcast by the way yes yeah he, he's great and yeah i think it's it's a great way uh you find those little like communities where you can connect i mean i mentioned the indie comics conspiracy group i mean i was pretty much done with comics like two years ago it just got to be too much and there was you know some family issues and, and just life and my kids were growing up and they were a big part of just kind of, I, I stayed in the group and, you know, just seeing other people create and just get excited. And it just made me realize, you know what, maybe I don't have to be so gung ho as I was the last 10 years, but maybe I can still do this. And again, pick the name part-time comics for a reason to just kind of, um, you know, do it on my own time with the people I want to work with and, and not, not put so much pressure on myself to be overly successful. Um, you know, yeah, that's kind of yeah. where I'm at. Just put stuff out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Have you had uh so you've done trade shows and and uh, and conventions and everything? Yeah. Uh yeah, first one was probably 2010 or something like that. I, I don't do we don't do a ton. Um because you know tables can be expensive and you know small press creators usually don't even make your table back, but you know I have done a few dozen. Oh cool. Cool. That's cool. Uh yeah, the the I was going to start going to those, uh, but then the pandemic hit this year. Yeah. 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 Not a, good a lot of plans to to for 2020, but yeah, yeah. me too. I, I was going to launch a whole company. And I was like, eh. yeah. But here we are the next year. I was going yeah. to visit a place outside my apartment, but then, you know, <laughs> 2020 <laughs> happened. Uh, <laughs> cool. Eric, did you have any other questions for John? Um, no, not currently this time. Um, okay. Do you want to talk my... about your, your Kickstarter project, Child Possession Services? Sure, appreciate it. Cool. Yeah, so we, we have a Kickstarter going currently for CPS, Child Possession Services. Appreciate you putting it up there on the screen. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it stars Connie Dar, who is a social worker for possessed or uh, recently possessed kids. I am a social worker by trade. Um, oh, really? Okay. So much like some of the other stories I've described to you. It, Connie started off as this first story you're seeing here on the screen, um, unless you're listening. Uh, and it was, <laughs> you know, it was a short, I kind of pitched it as, uh, again, longtime collaborator, Bob Gar Ornelas. He, he loves the character Constantine the Hellblazer. Yeah. So I pitched it as female Constantine and, you know, just kind of as a, as a jab to him, he wanted, I think he had asked me to write a short for a series uh, which I have here, uh, Mendicant, uh, was a short story series he was doing. And, you know, I, I pitched him, you know, kind of a joke, as I usually do. Uh, you'll see a theme. Most of the things in my life are a joke. And I felt like, you know what, we got something here. And Bob added a lot to it. He he said, you know, let's, let's make her a woman of, uh, you know, uh, Eastern Indian descent. Let's, uh, you know, I came up with the idea for her to be a social worker, but he, he just came up with a lot about her character and how she was going to, you know, react to these things. He's written, you know, some of the stories he, he letters, I'm sorry, he colors here, uh, the first story. So he, he's had a lot of investment 
And we, okay. I think we finally, you know, after 10 years, we've worked on a lot of projects, but we really have a character we're, we're excited about, you know, more stories. So when I, we did that original eight page story, again, we kind of knew right away that we had something else that we wanted to expand on. And, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about it being, you know, like you guys said, the West first, or I'd like to say the Ornelas first, uh, kind of in the same universe that we had kind of dipped our toes in already. Looking at this right now, I can see the Constantine that I didn't realize. Like she smokes, her coat is the Constantine coat or jacket, um, and then she kind of has a very similar personality. So, as a good reference, <laughs> I, 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 like I saw like the similarities, but didn't like wasn't as apparent in, in the forefront. Yeah. Are you, her, her original name was Constantina. That's how far I went with it. He's like, let's just call her Connie. Her name will be Constance. I'm like, oh, okay, Bob, Mr. Serious. <laughs> but he was right, and I'm glad he said that because you know I think I think we got more mileage out of it than than the one-off joke that I wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, are are some of these stories based on your experience with the being a social worker? Well, I mean, I've never batted a demonic child out of the air as he was leaping towards me. But um, are you sure? <laughs> I definitely <laughs> think. That- he- <laughs> Isn't that social work one on one? All right, kids. Most of these kids will be possessed. Yeah. All right, students. Most of these kids will be possessed. Yep. Tell tell them you hate them. You know, <laughs> insult them. Smoke in front of them. You know, put a, a pentagram on the ground to get the. Yeah. No. Yeah. Smoking her. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just for so everyone knows, I'm not putting kids in danger. Okay. I shouldn't joke about that. No. But, no. No. <laughs> I think maybe the stories aren't directly, but. I mean, I definitely, whether subconsciously or or consciously, I definitely think a lot of the character and the stories I'm writing with Connie are a little bit of a reflection on, on, you know, my 15 years of being a social worker and kind of getting to that point where, you know, you you started off your career and you have high aspirations for where it's going to go and you're going to change the world. And then unfortunately the world has a way of, you know, kind of beating you down a little bit, um, especially in the working in the helping field, I should say, uh, as a lot of people will know, if, you, if you're a nurse or you're a social worker, anybody who works with with people, um, you know, it can kind of bring you down. So Connie is kind of a way of being a little bit therapeutic with that, kind of <laughs> voicing some of my frustrations through her Interesting. with, you know, again, wanting to help people, but then being bogged down with paperwork and bureaucracies and and uh, stuff like that. So yeah. the stories may not directly be you know, an exact experience of mine, but definitely a lot of, you know, what she's going through in the book. Cool. Both my mom and my grandma were uh, social workers in for DCFS in Illinois. So. Yeah. Um, and that's C- CPS is commonly um, uh, referred to as child protective services. Yeah. In Illinois, we call it DCFS, but a lot of states, you know, when you, when you say CPS, now CPS is also Chicago public schools and yeah yeah so that's confusing (laughs) yeah so but cps i thought would yeah when originally it was just going to say the letters on the title but bob wanted to actually put the title because i thought people would open the book and think child protective services and then (laughs) twist and he's like no let's just put the name on the front of the book i'm like all right fine yeah yeah probably better marketing (laughs) yeah people be like why am i reading this about chicago public schools interesting yeah cool (laughs) so uh how can people find you you're on uh, Twitter at anti drummer. Yep, we are on Instagram and Twitter, uh, part at part time comics on Twitter, part part <laughs> underscore time underscore comics with an X on Instagram. So sorry for the weird typing that they make you do on there. But if you just Google part time comics, 
with an X C M Y X. Uh, you'll okay. find it. But I'm also anti underscore drummer on Twitter if you want to follow me as, as a writer. And, and uh, right. mostly I talk about Magic the Gathering on there, though. So if you're into that, follow me. <laughs> what do you think of the next set? Well, I have I you. Oh, I think it's amazing. I think they're doing awesome things with the flip cards. I like the flip equipments. The, we can talk about that I'm really excited for the Wrath of God that costs three mana or five total, technically, whatever. I, I am a mid-range player by heart, so I am angry about that. <laughs> I do I'm not want to go Finally, blue-white controls a thing. Yay. Oh, yeah. It's been for a long time. <laughs> it, it's been I, an unsuccessful thing for a long time. I am excited about them giving white some powerful cards for once. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. I'm very excited I, for call time. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, the flip cards, I think, are going to be fantastic. The gods versus the equipments, I think, are going to be really good. I think there's a lot of cool stuff in the set. Yeah, I've been loving this set the last few years. But I also mostly play cube and draft, so I don't have to worry about the busted cards that are in construction. I play, I'm the once every three months player now because I only do the pre release. That's fine. Show up, yeah, show, up, show up, do my sealed, be like, all right, that was bad cards. I'll see you guys in three months. Yep, most fun thing in Magic you can do. It. I've even been getting the pre release kits to bring home. My son is nine and a half and he's been getting into it so we just play at home now that's, that's cool. the most fun in magic it's kind of you know low low stakes you know it <laughs> doesn't matter how good you are you just like you said show up every three months sling some cards and go home yeah it's fun love it well welcome on again to your magic the gathering <laughs> podcast that we're starting right now yeah we're starting right now <laughs> you heard it right here anti-drummer and schwartz and i'll be the one who doesn't know anything yeah. yes <laughs> although you have played Keegan. You have played one tournament. You showed up. You lost, went zero four and left. <laughs> That's right. It's on the true. bottom. I love it. I, I usually like go zero four, and I've been playing for twenty five years. <laughs> <laughs> I like new experiences. What can I say? You got to try everything at least once. Yep, I like it. It was fun. I had a fun time. I just, uh, you were you seem to be smiling, so that was good. Yeah, yeah, I had a good time. I was like, what do I do now? He's like. No, don't do that. And I'm pretty sure I should have done that. You know, it's the best game. You know, it has the funnest <laughs> mechanics, sweet art. You know, it's always fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I got uh, about uh, 600 cards right here in front of me. Building the commander deck. Oh, cool. <laughs> we'll be on all night now. You also we have a drum set. Game. Do you play drums? I'm assuming do. you do. Yeah. I do mostly now. I haven't played. I haven't been in a band in about five or ten years. But uh, mostly teaching my kids now. They like to oh, cool. jam out on it. So. Are they playing the drum as well or no? Yeah, he just said that. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't hear that. I was looking at my magic cards. I was uh, so <laughs> Eric, you have a problem. No, I'm just <laughs> Put the cards down, Eric. Put oh, them and, down. And I oh, should yeah. mention as you're, as you're wrapping up here, uh, our colorist on the new book, I don't know if you saw on the Kickstarter, is previous guest Winston Gambro. Oh, wow. Cool. Wow. Who I met through one of the groups I was talking about on Facebook, I just said, hey, we're looking for oh, wow. colors. We're looking to up our game. And Winston was one of the people who replied. And I'll be honest with you guys, tell them you want your cut because I was deciding between colors to use. And I, I, when you introduced yourself, I said, let me listen to an episode of their podcast. And I saw his name in your feed. <laughs> this episode. He seemed like, you know, he's a cool guy. He wasn't taking no crap from, you know, these... These wild people giving him crazy questions. <laughs> so I said, I like this guy. And he's from Illinois. You know what? I, I texted Bob that night. Let's yeah, go he's with from Winston. Aurora. I was going to say, yeah. like, what a small world. That's a small world. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I, as you can see by the new colors in there, he his art was the first choice. But 
you, you it definitely his interview with you guys definitely sold me on working with him. He just seemed like a guy who had his head in the right area about what he wants to do with comments. Oh, cool. That's guys, great. I, Actually, yeah, that's so cool. I, I said, are you available? Let's go. Tell him we said hi. And you guys got to come on when you're, when you, uh, well, I yeah. guess you did finish it. Never mind. <laughs> no, we're still working on it. It ain't done yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll so in the future, when, you, when it's done. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> come on and we'll review it and uh, we'll have Henry read it. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we should. I, I don't know if you've heard the Henry reviews or not. <laughs> um, my nephew, who's uh, seven, has reviewed four comics total. Or, no, three comics because you only have the two comics on, correct? Yeah. Three. Yeah. So he's reviewed both of Keegan's comics, ripped which he them to which yeah. he hated, ripped them to shreds. Like, Worst critic in the world, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Meanest and, critic. Uh, meanest. And except for like one other comic, um, he liked that one, but that's like the exception. He's he liked like, Winston's. He liked like, Winston's yeah. uh, Rex Radley Boy Adventure, yeah. which nice. is meant for kids, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seems fair. So well, maybe fun. he's not your target audience. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No, I got. I got. Is that on tape? I got to listen. To it. <laughs> it's, yeah, there, uh, it's in yeah. a couple of those episodes. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, uh, John, thanks for coming on. Oh, what's that? RTFC. He, John gets that. What is this? A magic thing? It's a magic thing. Number one thing told by judges to you: read the effing card. Read the. Oh yeah, <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> okay, oh, we're, we're doing a comic podcast, Dave. I'm gonna make stickers of that. <laughs> When people ask me questions about my book, I'll say, read the effing comic. Yeah, RTFC, right there. <laughs> Reading the comic explains the comic. Oh, that's so funny. Sometimes. Can you explain the ending? Have you read it? Well, no. Well, read the ending. <laughs> Can we proceed, Eric? I'm good. <laughs> John, thank you so much. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank, thank you. you so much. Uh, and find his stuff online. We're going to say it again in our outro. And, uh, are down below. Yeah, I think we we went over where your Twitter and Instagram are. Yeah, hit, hit me up there. Um, and then our, all our only online website presence right now is storeenvy.com/slash/part.comics. Okay, so okay. got some of our books there. Cool. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for coming in. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cool. All right. So, yeah. Thanks to John. Thanks, John, for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed your comics. I really did too. It was they were really, really good. You can find him at part underscore time underscore comics with an X mm -hmm. on Instagram. He's also at anti drummer on Twitter. Anti underscore uh, drummer, I believe. Yeah, just Google part time comics with an X, and you'll find his comics oh. to read mm -hmm. yeah. their current kickstarter too we should mention is cps uh child possession services giant sized one-shot comic um it's got 28 days to go as of this recording which means probably more like uh 21 days by the time this comes out so uh make sure you get on there and, and support it um it's 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 also good. We've read the preview. We're gonna review it next week. I think really good. Really worth your read. Really worth the buy. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so Eric, uh, we have a comic to review this week. And Wall Breakers um, by Jorge Zavalos. Zavalos. Jorge, I do not know how to say his name. Zavalos. Zavalos. Jorge. He was just. He, yeah, he was just on our. He was on. Are you uh, just doing the thing? No, I really have. I really had trouble pronouncing his name. In period, but I, like Jorge Zavalos sounds about right. Okay, well, it is right. I just, I literally just edited the episode today, so yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Jorge Zavalos, mm-hmm. um, and he made a. It's a one-shot comic called mm-hmm. called Wallbreakers. Uh, it's about like an alien invasion. So, what about the story? Um, the story is very reminiscent of Aliens in that um, people who are not expecting bad things to happen all of a sudden happens. And we're following one character, um, blanking on his name, unfortunately, um, who is um, pretty much he's just your Joe Schmo. He's not your, he's not extraordinary. He's not nothing. And literally Aliens pop out of the wall that he of his apartment he pulls out katana kills the aliens and escapes out the front window and it's kind of following him and all these people reacting to there's an alien invasion coming from instead of coming from above it's coming from below where like they're popping out this like the sewers and everything so and it's just like it's you're pretty much your classic it's a very good intro to a like a war like to like a world where like you're getting overrun by aliens because it kind of ends on a cliffhanger, unfortunately, which is probably honestly the thing I dislike the most about it was because like <laughs> I that's why I liked it so much. That's why yeah. I really liked. I just wanted to be like, all right, here's like an, like either one like to know like is the world effed or is are the aliens effed? But that's <laughs> like that's like how J.J. Abrams has taught us to tell stories. He's like. Please not, end on a cliffhanger. But that's, I don't like that because J.J. Abrams, like he's very much, you know, like the mystery box type writer. Yeah. But he doesn't come up with good endings is the problem. Like he's very good at saying- Everything is a cliffhanger. But he's very bad at, you Do know- you, um, How's your imagination doing? Is it need like a little kickstart? It does. Does it? Do you need to pull the string to get it started? Because uh, if you if you're left with a cliffhanger like this- your imagination should be able to like, carry you forward. There's like there's what's really good about it, there's like infinite endings on it. There's so many ways it can go. I just I just don't know. I, I say I if writing this story, let Spielberg, after he buys this story from you, <laughs> figure out the ending. Not your problem, right? You made I, this world super clean, super nice. And in, in not defense of J.J. Abrams, when he didn't get the ending he wanted in Star Wars, he totally massacred a film. He literally just said, hey, Star Wars episode, uh, what was it, eight? F you. Done. He literally just like unwrote so many things in eight. He unwrote his own stuff, as far as I'm concerned. I know. He also never finished his stuff either from episode. Also, in the problem with that, he never finished stuff in episode seven. Like, you know, like the lightsaber. Like, where'd you get the lightsaber from? A, t- a, a, t- a tale for a different time. Never answered that question. Never answered. Yeah. Never answered. There's that. The more I think about that series, the worst, the worse it gets in my mind. Yeah. No, it was like a, problem after problem in those new Star Wars films. Episode seven was literally Star Wars episode four again. 
again. Yeah. Again, episode eight. Um, I just had so many problems with that just because the guy, so the writer wants pretty much just like, first of all, I have a problem with like the cliche of, I don't need to tell you anything. So we're just going to waste your time where he gets, she is given like, we're going to this moon. And then we're going to like, we're going to keep on having the ships go off and then we'll hide away. Oh yeah. That was the worst. And that, that was, was that made absolutely no that sense. No sense. I'm like, no, you would tell your person that you would tell the military people in charge of every, like, who are they keeping secrets from? There's nobody secrets? least listening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> also like, they also don't have any time. It's a problem though too. So they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. What are they like? If we tell you, we're gonna end up going slower. <laughs> and by the way, what also pissed me off though too is the number one character who knows it's a trap. They killed right away and didn't know it was a trap. Like, why would you kill a fan favorite character for like this mystery person who no one cares about? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. also, God, what else is it? The you know, like how like General Hux, the person that's not uh, the lightsaber dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like they totally just made his character a weak character to the point that. I agree with J.J. Abrams just pretty much just replacing and getting rid of him right away because the point that, like, what you liked about the Star Wars in the original trilogy was that the bad guys, none of them raised their voices, none of them yelled, and none of them, like... like right, they were all very cool and, like... They were very cool and stuff. I mean, like, the person... Like, just, just, yeah, just, yeah, like, like, terrifying, like, disinterested, heartless bastards you know yeah like whereas like those like everyone like in the in the sequel series i thought were just emotionally un- immature people crying for their daddy or grandpappy and certain like, you, nobody thinks they're gonna succeed because they just don't look like the type of people who can yeah you know? i never like yeah i mean i don't know that was a big thing too and literally like they just like were crying they were screaming and like yeah, it was. It was uh, the entire series was like they totally the dropped the ball. Series was bad. I I will say, uh, eight might have been good if nine had been better. Yes, you know what true. I mean. Like some of those choices would have been good if nine hadn't come along and been like every choice you made was bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I also like, nine basically that- came in and said everything that just happened is was wrong and didn't happen. Yeah, literally the line straight of- all the way down to the love scene between Finn and that girl when they kiss and like in in nine it's like uh, are, do we have to be stationed at the same base like like who is that girl I don't even know her they literally wrote her off of nine because Finn backlash against her was so high like first of all she just deactivated her Twitter account because she was getting so much fan hate mail and then like she was like well big deal too is like they decided that they had to like jam in this love triangle that didn't need to be there, and it was just horribly. And her kids a lo- no, but it was like a love pentagon because wasn't like Ray and Finn also there, and they then had, also, you know, but they had like a weird connection. Oh, and now this girl comes in and yeah. he's like a stormtrooper, and oh man, no, it was just probably done. It was probably done. Also. By the way, uh, what's her face? What's her face's character had absolutely no character growth or character arc at all. She started off being the most powerful and ended the most powerful. You mean like, the stormtrooper one? No, not the stormtrooper one. The lightsaber one. What's her face? Ray. Ray. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She Ray, her, nothing. Like, she literally zero character growth. Whereas like no. Luke Skywalker had no, character growth. I don't think any of them had character growth. Honestly. No, none of them did. Like the <laughs> more you think about that series, <laughs> that secret, that trilogy, I hate that trilogy. Yeah. Like literally, the it was like uh, she she wanted to be uh, 
she wanted to know who her parents were. I don't think she ever figured out who her parents were. And uh, like, I, I still don't think that it was Palpatine. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Pal- Palpatine at one point had sex with who? Who would have sex with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Also, like, well, what else was it? Um, God, just, oh, just okay. Uh, but Anyways. wall breakers. Back to wall breakers. <laughs> so that's the story of wall breakers. Wall breakers. Uh, <laughs> Good story, actually. <laughs> wall breakers uh, reminds you of the Star Wars trilogy, which you won't like. But what wall breakers is how good wall breakers is <laughs> compared to that. No, it doesn't remind us of the. St- I'm saying, yeah. No, it doesn't. No. Wall breakers is very good. By the way, every time I say wall breakers, I keep on expecting someone to be wall breakers, like the way they say wall burgers in the Conan O'Brien <laughs> sketch. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the plot a little bit. I, I do want to say one one other thing. It's written a bit like a noir, and it's got like a single character. He's kind of trying to figure this out. He goes on this adventure, right? He's like, um, so that's all kind of noir to me, I think. It's also like sort of we're getting to the art now, but it, it's drawn as a noir too. So yeah, not not colored in very much. Uh, heavily heavily stylized. Too. Heavily stylized, heavily shaded in a lot of parts. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into the art. I guess we're there. Um, I guess we are there. Share my screen. So also, this takes place in the future. We didn't mention that, but it, it's sort of the future. Sort of the future. There's like futuresque. Uh, yeah, futuresque. Like they've got like flying saucers to a certain extent. Um, watches that are in, or TVs that are in watches, as you can see. Um, so art, 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 art. Uh, the thing art, I've, yeah, go is, ahead. Is not colored, but it's still very detailed. Um, if you go up actually a couple pages, um, uh, you'll see they'll like they show a city, and the city. Um, just has a lot of details on it. There's um, like birds. There's other stuff too. They add just a lot of just very much very detailed. So and it's uh, all done by Jorge Zavalos. Yeah, he did. He did the story, the art, the lettering, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said he did it by hand, which is really impressive too. It was very impressive. Like like the fact that this is drawn by hand. He also painted a lot of it too, which I would never realize. Yeah, if, if you remember that. Um, so it's very, very well done, and it's very just like this, this panel alone was just blew my mind. This yeah, just like, the, the hands yeah. are so good, you know. The watch itself, what I thought it was super well detailed, and the fact they say he hand drew drew that. I assume he copied and paid. He did like one part and copy and pasted it, but no, he hand drew that, which is super impressive. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Twitch, I messed that up. But um, yeah, so so it's very detailed line art. Um, it's the the action is really well done. Um, I think his panel, the angles for each panel are is like really effective. Um, the storytelling is tight in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the panels, like there's three panels here. One of them is, is an extreme close up of blood dripping, mm-hmm. and like one of them is of him reacting to these spurs in his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I just think it it flowed really well. It was really easy to read, and it was very detailed. Yeah. Like, yeah, this comic, the art blew me away. It was like really, really well done. It was 
very like the art honestly like to me was like a super high point for this just because I thought the artwork was interactive. I thought it was went super well, like with the just it was super detailed. Went super well with the wording and the lettering. Um, like I, I thought they, I thought they added each add to each other. So, um, well, I will talk about more about lettering when we get to that because there's a specific um, panel that like or even like, like how they do this stuff, how they add the details. Yeah. So uh, we're not really going to talk about inking because it's it's very I mean it's kind of the same because yeah we didn't really because it's, it's not coloring stuff too um but the lettering um specifically I thought the lettering um was coloring super... let's talk about the coloring really fast okay did, oh, did you have a problem uh, with this not being colored no I actually thought it made it better with it not being colored um I thought it being colored. I thought the aliens might have come out with a crazy color and that I actually do prefer to be up to your imagination. Like what I picture in my head to the colors compared to the rest of the characters. Yeah, me too. I, I, I was thinking about this because I, I think color could have added a whole lot to this, but um, could have taken away a lot too. And yeah. I guess when faced with the decision no color is probably better here. Although it, it reminds me a lot of like the Frank Miller type of, um, you know, his Sin City work was black and white, right? This isn't as like heavily inked. Yeah. Which, which I guess is my only complaint with no. there not being color is that it felt like it need, was like ready for color because it wasn't like heavily shadowed. Like there's um, certain like. Certain frames like could have need could have done color. So, for example, the one that we're on with him crashing to a bunch of aliens, I thought that would have added a lot more if it had color. Whereas um, other ones, I thought would have taken away less. Like the frame where the alien pops out of the wall for the first time, yeah. you know, he yeah. is a wall breaker. Yeah, I thought that would have taken away from it to be color. So, I see. Yeah, I agree. So, I you know like. Um... I mean, it's a very fine line between whether you should or not, should not have color, you know. Um, but I think the artists approached this book knowing it wouldn't have color, and that served it really well. Yeah. Um, whereas we've seen a couple of comics where, like, it should have had color, you know, because it because it wasn't inked properly for yeah. not having and color. So yeah. like that, like like where ones that needs to have color are ones where the artwork is lacking so you can't like have you have judge trouble judging where everything is and stuff like that yeah this is obviously not that case yeah yeah all right so now we can move on to lettering okay um i really like the lettering i thought that it um was interacted super well with the comics so i especially like the part where like if you look at the part where like he's in the car like a lot of times when he goes screech or whatever i didn't realize like that was lettering i thought that was actually like a sign on there because it was just so well placed that it didn't like occur to me oh that it okay. wasn't interesting so my experience with this lettering wise was that i didn't like the lettering on page one um because it's got this italicized font that uh was like a little bit hard to read at first but as uh, as it went on, it made more sense to me that it was in that font, and then I didn't care as much. Um, 
So I don't know. It's it's italicized, which is a little strange. Um, but I think it it fits the urgency of this of the comic, you know, which is kind of like this yeah, breakneck speed kind of thing. So um, I don't know. Did you pick up on that at all, or am I just kind of being too critical? No, when I see it, I do. I think it, I think the lettering got better as time went on. I agree with that. Um, also, you got to be able to read it more as well, too. So that kind of makes a difference as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got used to reading it. Maybe that was it. I mean, there's there's so much happening on this first page, and there's no color. It's all black and white. So it's like lots of letters. It's all black and white. Maybe it was just kind of hard to like for my eye to follow really easily especially on a screen, you know, where everything is like high contrast and you're looking at a bright screen all day. Um, so anyway, like, yeah, that was just something I thought about, but again, it, 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 like you said, the sound effects are great and it did not bother me further on into the comic, uh, at all. So, um, and, and there's just as much lettering later on too. So it really, it, um, yeah, that was just my initial take, but then it, later on, I, I thought it was fine. Even the first page was fine. So I don't want to come off as critical because the lettering is good in this book too. Everything about this book. Very good. So yeah, well, what's your je ne sais quoi? That's a French term. It is. It is. Yeah, je ne sais quoi is a French term. Um, I I think that kept me going is I want to know where this world was going. We kind of talked about earlier that it had the J.J. Abrams feel of a mystery box that like we don't know what we don't know what these things are where they're coming from why they're here and where the story's going I mean that all in a very good way but yeah it kind of like as you said it's written by a noir and when you think noir you think mystery and there are a lot of there's a lot of action to this but there's also a lot of mystery to it too yeah um cool Yeah, I guess what my for me it was. What, you, what was your change I guess for me it was the um, the alien invasion part of it. Actually, it was the art. Honestly, the art was really good. Um, art was like I thought the story was like good. It wasn't anything super unique, but I thought that the um, yeah, I thought the art was fantastic, or the art was probably the best part. Maybe the storytelling, because I, I think there's like a couple panels here um, on that screech page, actually. He's in the car. He's like, the woman has like something in her eye. And then on top of the panel, there's like a little like, it, it almost looks like a picture, like a, a Polaroid picture of like this tiny parasite that is like meant to be in her eye. And then you see like, you know, like there's several more insert panels on this page too that like just show those like super extreme close-ups of the alien kind of getting in her eye. So, um, you know, like I think the storytelling was really well done. It's like the panels are also dynamic. We didn't mention that, but there's there's a lot of dynamic panels, uh, things overlapping, continuing the reader's eye onto the next frame. Um, so yeah, man, I hope this guy makes more books because uh, it, 
yeah, this was fun to read. I hope it happens more too. Um, or have you he had more, read some more stuff because I thought it was really, really good as well. Um, we'll see from what the future holds. You know, it was interesting when Jorge was saying that the last two pages were like somebody convinced him to make those and they're like done in a different style. And they are done in a different style. <laughs> they look like uh, yeah, graphic design pages, you know, um, which is really interesting. But but also have served as like a good epilogue because it, it really felt like there was um there was like sort of this uh, tag at the end of the story, like maybe um, the world moved on a little bit. So that's a uh, that was kind of my je ne sais quoi. So Keegan, on a scale, you have a scale from having a katana that could cut anything, everyone just one slash. So if you wanted to cut uh, your ties with a with a toxic friends or anything like that to having your wall constantly broken and you just can't do anything about it like you're like i'm gonna fix this wall and it just gets broken how would you rate this uh you know i think this comic is like having a like a nice broadsword that can cut through anything it's it's really kind of heavy you know yeah, it's kind of heavy. It's, it's pretty heavy. It's kind of heavy. But it does it does like, the job yeah, really well. Like it, it's it's an excellent it does sword. Does really job really well. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but I wish it wasn't as heavy. I wish it was like more like a katana okay. sword. I get you. I get you. So for you, right. uh, if you on a scale between um, being inside of a wall at anyone's house and having the ability to pop out and scare them to death. Any of your enemies, any like heroes of the world, any uh, like saints, sinners, anyone uh, famous, poor, you know, okay. uh, to like at any time. This is the good part. As right? many this, people as you want. Yeah, this Anytime. is the good thing. Yeah. As many people as I want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just scary. And they, they'll literally okay. die too. They'll, they'll die. You'll be... Okay. There's a comic right there. So I'm a murderer. <laughs> yeah. But like in a happy <laughs> way. It's sort of like uh, if you could go, if you could go. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, that's a little dark. Maybe uh, yeah, so. for the good people, maybe. I can like give, uh, if they're a good person, I can be like, surprise, here's a cup of coffee. Surprise, here's some flowers. Yeah, surprise, yeah, yeah. here's a chocolate. Yeah, you're like a genie in a wall. Right. Okay. okay. And what's the, what's okay, you know, okay. And what's the worst thing? Uh, and the worst thing is like having to fall out of your window every day on your way to work. So falling from the seventeenth floor to the pavement every day in order to get to work. <laughs> am I dead? Am I, am I like? Oh God, I'm dead. No, no. Every day. You're, or are you just like wake up and like I just get up and like ah. Yeah, you're you're very badly injured, but you can still make it to work. And then every night you heal. <laughs> okay. That would I would say this is like freaking people, like annoying people a lot by being able to surprise them whenever, like by freaking <laughs> out. So like it's a good thing. 
but you still kind of get annoyed a little bit by certain things. They're like, surprise! Like, not good, just kind of annoying. Okay. Uh, but that's solid still. That's like on the good side. That's definitely still a good side. It's on the good have. side, yeah. It's probably yeah. definitely on the good side. It's definitely on the good side. Yeah, you're okay. just like a little um, too needy as a superhero. You're like, I'm here to help yeah. you. Yeah. You're like, I, I, I'm powered by my foundation. Yeah. I need the applause in the world of Lady Gaga. Yeah. Uh, but thanks again, Jorge, for coming okay. on the show. It was a great comic. Thanks, Jorge. Thanks, John, for being on here earlier. Yeah, thanks, John, well. for coming on. Yep. Uh, find his comics. It's part-time comics with an X. Uh, Eric, where can they find us? They can find us on Twitter, dumbcomiccreators.com, Instagram, dumbcomiccreators.com, Facebook.com slash dumbcomiccreators. We have our website, dumbcomiccreators.com. Buy us on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash dumbcomiccreators. Um, we have, um, all, we can find us on wherever podcasts are low. We have our own YouTube, youtube.com slash dumbcomiccreators. You can find us on the Twitter, dumbcreators, I believe. Dumb creators, yeah, but I, I no, don't what's post. What's Twitter account? Right that is it. That's that's just my Twitter that I've converted into that's our it. Twitter. I meant not Twitter. That's our Twitter. Uh, what's that's our, our Twitter. Twitch then? Dumb comic creators. Twitch is okay. dumb comic creators. Yeah, please please subscribe to our Twitch Thanks channel. Thanks for subscribing. You can watch our our please podcast our recordings. Twitch. You can ask yeah. Nine p.m. on Fridays. You can watch how we do this behind the scenes. Um. Okay, uh, Keegan, do you know what we do need? A catchphrase? catchphrase? Yeah, I had one though. We continue to podcast. Yeah, I didn't like it. No, we it's... don't continue to podcast. I'm, I quit. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> oh, you're done? Okay. I'm done. It was a good run. I just don't continue to podcast. Our, our we have a guest book for next week. Okay, and I get some back in, but the catchphrase isn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. That works. That works. I mean, as long as you have a guest booked, I don't think your show can end. <laughs> That's true. Or else you're just an ass. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Look at uh, okay. look I'll at see Leno. That's why he was on so long. Um. Anyway. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I got a guest tomorrow. Ah, oh, crap. Can't quit. Can't quit now. Can't quit now. Eric, this has been fun. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.